Meanwhile... I'm so grateful, Steve, that you've been so generous with your time. Thank you. No, it's all right. I'm just sitting here happily taking a break from working on this project that I'm uh, involved in at the moment. Did he just say what I thought he said? It's nice to stop. And as a writer, Heather, you should know mm. that any excuse to put the pencil down. <laughs> well, sometimes I, you know, sometimes you really get into it, and then I don't want to break my stride, but sometimes That's I do right. feel like I've lost some time. <laughs> oh, well. <coughs> We've all lost lots of that recently. Here's a final tidbit from our many conversations with Steve Roberts, one of the key writers for Max Hedrom in nearly all its incarnations. It's another installment of our Max Hedron minis. Hey, Maxie. Brought to you by 20 minutes into the future. It's a Max Hedron mini. A Maxie. Enjoy. Speaking of projects, is this anything... Is this anything you can talk about? Um... Uh, yes. Uh, it was a movie which became so big uh, as an idea... Um, it is to do with AI. Uh, it, it, it became such a big idea that I found I couldn't quite control it. And my wife, who you just met briefly, uh, who was uh, before she became what she is now as a development executive, was very, very good. She's the first one I'd ever met who was both smart and beautiful and female. It's a hell of a combination. And um, she said, I know what's the problem with the thing. Um, and that is you never really wrote the treatment and it's a very complex issue and you've been kind of winging it idea to idea without writing it uh, as a proper treatment. So I sat down. Well, about 500 pages later, I realized this isn't a treatment, this is a book. Oh, so that's what that is. And so I then discovered uh, that what I really had to do first was to write the book. And then, because I know how to do it, take the book and turn it back into a, a movie. Mm. Uh, and uh, this um, is what I'm doing now. It's a living. And you might be interested to know that it, it was initiated, although mm. he's no longer part of this, by Brian Frankish. See episode number 04, That's What They Want to Do, where Heather and Austin speak with Brian Frankish, Steve Roberts, and Michael Cassett about their various roles in producing Max Hedrom, True Believers. Signed, Meddling Mitch. Who I've also stayed in touch with, Brian and I, great old mates. And um, he asked me through, did you ever come across a writer called Don Stewart? Don Stewart was a writer and journalist who began his career in automotive publishing, writing for Auto Week and Motor Life, before he left journalism and worked as a copywriter for a number of ad agencies in the 60s where he lived the Mad Men lifestyle as the creative director for a car ad agency, until he moved to Hollywood in the 70s, when he was in his 40s. He began working under Roger Corman, and later became best known for penning the trilogy of 90s Jack Ryan films starring Harrison Ford. He continued to work in film and television until he passed of cancer in 2006, at the age of 69. His final manuscript, for the film Hostiles, was finally produced in 2017. He got an Oscar for Missing, which is a movie that was made 20-odd years ago. What stupid thing did Charles do? He was a bit of a snoop. The son's a pretty popular guy around here. He poked his nose around in a lot of dangerous places. All of a sudden, this place is like a free fire zone. The shooter just for being left-handed. 
If you had stayed where you belong and paid a little attention to the basics, this never would have happened. I don't want to fight with you. I just want to get Charlie back. What kind of world is this? He said the man must disappear. He knew too much. Don't you think that's a hell of a statement, especially considering we're here to protect American citizens? How can I verify that? Starring Sissy Spacek, Melanie Mayron and Jack Lemmon, with a soundtrack by Vangelis, and directed by Costa Gavaris, this award-winning film with an all-star cast depicts the true story of American journalist, Charles Norman, who disappeared in Chile in 1973, and the US government will do nothing to find him. It is, instead up to Beth and Ed, Charles' wife and father, to pick up the trail, and track down the family member who is now missing. Anyway, his Oscar was for missing. And they, Brian and he came to me and said, we've got an idea, but it's very, very science fiction. Can you do something with it? And that sort of began this very long um, journey that I've been on, developing what was just a tiny, tiny little film idea into something uh, much, uh, much bigger. I mean, Don is now dead and Brian and I have given up on the idea. Um, and so I'm just pushing on with it um, on my own in a very different way. It's completely different from the way it started. So that, that's occupying my time at the moment. We have something to look forward to. And I've just finished a screenplay for um, uh, Rajiv Rai in uh, India. Rajiv Rai is a writer, director and editor who made a number of films in India, including the award-winning Gup The Hidden Truth, released in 1997. His success led to a number of attempts to mount film productions in Hollywood in the 2000s, which nearly all stalled out or were shelved. In 2011 he returned to India and has been attempting to make films again like he did before. Of Udham Singh, who was the great, uh, the, the, he assassinated somebody in London in 1940. Udham Singh was an Indian and activist who witnessed the events in Eritrea in 1919 and in 1940 assassinated Michael O'Dwyer, the Lieutenant Governor of Punjab who you damn held responsible. As revenge for the Amritsar Massacre, which you may be aware of. Jalyan Walabag Massacre, also known as the Amritsar Massacre, took place on the 13th of April, 1919. A large, peaceful crowd had gathered in protest and had blocked Brigadier General R.E.H. Dyeran and his troops in an alley during the gathering. Dyer ordered his troops to fire on the crowd, injuring 1,200, with nearly 400 killed. Britain never formally apologised for what happened. This event led to the non-cooperation movement of the early 20s and is considered the first steps toward the end of English rule in India. So this whole uh, you know, story um, was what I've just finished and this other one is the one I'm still ploughing through. For his role in Odwai's assassination, Singh was seen as a fighter for freedom by many people, locally and internationally, and yet was hung for the murder of O'Dwyer in July of 1940, in spite of the fact that most people also held O'Dwyer responsible for the massacre, too. So far, the film based on these events, with Steve's script, directed by Rajiv Rai, has yet to be made, but another film, titled Sardayu Dam, directed by Shujit Sarkar, was released on Netflix in October of 2021. Given Rajiv Ray's difficulty in getting other films made in recent years, it is hard to say if his version of the story will be seen. You mentioned about uh, taking a book and turning it into a movie. 
And uh, you uh, talked pretty elegantly about adapting the Redwall books when you were running that uh, show. The late 90s animated version of Redwall, based on the books by Brian Jacques, was created by Steve Roberts, who adapted three of the novels, roughly into one 13-episode season each, produced for children's television, and seen in both Canada and the US all through the early 2000s. Not only did Steve develop the show from the novels for television, but acted as story editor, and wrote a number of episodes, along with a larger writing team, including Sean David Thompson, Michelle Goodeve, Glenn Norman, Toby Roberts, Richard Barnett and Ruth McCartney. I am that is. My sword shall wield for me. I just find that uh, adaptation seems to be something that you're particularly adept at. And uh, I was just kind of curious um, if you had any advice for people who are adapting material. Wow, yes. Uh, The trouble with adaptation is that everybody ends up saying, of course, it wasn't as good as the book. And there's a reason for that. Uh, And the reason is it never can be. Um, a book a book is something tactile that you can hold and go back and forth in and a movie or, or, or a TV show you're kind of stuck there and it's linear and that linear problem never gives up and the second problem is uh, that it has no inner voice unless you, you're going to use narration which is awful I think um, it has its place but I mean you really can't just use narration the whole way through the characters have no inner voice therefore only the only way you understand them is what they do because you can't trust anything that they say and once you've got that problem um, you've got the biggest problem in the world and you can't structure the, the, the thing in the same way in a linear method so now you've got to go back and then find where the heart of the book is and finding the heart of the book is often to find something inexpressible and you end up with this terrible uh, fight between being faithful to the book and having to say, you know, we just got to take the book as a starting point and turn this into something else that means the same, but isn't the same. And of course, it, that does not please the writer of the book. You have no idea. No idea. Uh, I think it was, um, uh, who was it? Who wrote... Um, Oh, heavens above, I'm trying to think of his name. John Le Carré. John Le Carré, who wrote all those brilliant uh, uh, spy books. John Le Carré said, watching your book being turned into a movie is much like watching your fine cow being turned into bouillon cubes. You don't want to see this. That's a good, I like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically it's an almost impossible task to get right. Uh, uh, that there are exceptions, uh, of course. But to get it right is a damnably difficult thing and you really are going to disappoint the author. However, if you are the author, not so difficult to disappoint yourself in that respect because if you're going to sit down and do what I'm currently doing now, then what you're doing is writing the movie in your head as you're writing the book. And what you're doing is structuring it in such a way that it will work in both ways. So you know exactly what you've got to do for the one that you have to do slightly different for the other. So you bring them up in parallel. 
That is very good. And the most important thing about it is there isn't an executive in sight saying, oh, don't you think it should be this way? Or would it be better if she was a man? Or you know, any of this stuff, you're on your own. And that's the great joy for you, Heather, too, remember. You're on your own as a writer. Nobody can tell you what to do and nobody can stick their nose in without getting it bloody. So uh-huh. write the book and write uh-huh. your own screenplay simultaneously. I love that. That's such excellent advice. <laughs> yeah, just just consider the books a long treatment. That's all we have time for this week. A bit about a sci-fi movie and novel that is in development, a tease about a screenplay he just finished, and some advice about adapting material from one medium to another. Look, Casablanca, they've remade Casablanca. Philistines. I mean, how can you remake Casablanca? The one starred Maida Bingleback and Peter Beardsley was definitive. Make sure to support us at patreon.com forward slash Austin Rooch to keep this show alive and to bring you more exciting stories and episodes from the history of the show and the people who made it. Thanks for listening. Be seeing you.